everybody and welcome to the Irish NFL show. It's the time for the week 13 review and in case you're wondering who I am, I'm going to be your host tonight. My name's Calla Ryan and uh, the lads have kindly asked me on board this good ship. Uh, I'm a long-time NFL fan from back in Miles Dungan Monday night highlights days. I then supported the Bills because the la- the Q quarterback had an Irish name, Jim Kelly, and then I supported the Vikings because I'm half Swedish. That's why my name is Calla and then dropped off and then I'm back now to supporting the Panthers because my wife's from North Carolina and then middle of the season I kind of gave up on the Panthers because they've been doing so badly but now that this is happening I'm back I'm not necessarily watching the Panthers but I'm definitely watching the NFL and tonight we're going to talk about uh, week 13 lads so maybe we'll just uh, I just want to also give a shout out to Cassidy Travel uh, sponsor of the Irish NFL show uh, lots of packages uh, there available for anyone who wants them. Uh, so look, let's let's start right away. The 9 p.m. slot was really where some of the big stuff happened, and maybe the first one that we want to talk about is uh, the Bengals uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, so I watched back the last show, and I think you put a curse on it, lads. Uh, the Chiefs did not win. Uh, so maybe uh, tell me what you think about the game and where where did it go wrong for the Chiefs? Where did it go right? For the Bengals, uh, Brian, do you do you want to start us off there? Yeah, you're right in what you're saying, Connor. The dreaded course, uh, Connor always alludes to it on the show when we all select the same team. It generally goes to the other way. But in fairness, with this game, um, this was a like I wouldn't say it was a hunch pick. We all selected the Chiefs based on the recent form, but this team, Bengals, have had their number. You know, we touched on it on the show on Thursday in the lead up to this game. They played each other twice late last year, week 17 in December, same stadium in Cincinnati. The Bengals came out on top in a very similar, very close game and again in the playoffs in the championship game to beat them. So I don't think it comes as a surprise. The Bengals have been coming into a nice bit of form. And yesterday we saw what Joe Burrow was all about. He first, um, first pick in the draft a number of years ago. He's already been to a Super Bowl yesterday. He just he finds ways to win these big games. And yesterday, nothing phased him. Chiefs were slow starting. Bengals got out early, 14-3. They kind of, I wouldn't say they left the Chiefs hanging around in a sense, but they were three for seven in the red zone throughout the course of the game. The Bengals, mm. the Chiefs were much more efficient when they got into the red zone play, which kept them in the game. Uh, Burrow, 25 31, 286 yards and two touchdowns. And the one thing for me in the game was we've seen recently the Chiefs win some tough games and some close games, but in the fourth quarter of those games, the teams weren't able to put them, put them away. They didn't score. Chargers a couple of weeks ago one touchdown late on and then they played the Titans in a close game in overtime in which the Titans didn't win. Yesterday, fourth quarter, when you really want your players to step up, 28 plays by the uh, Bengals, 10 first downs, 10 points. The difference being other teams haven't been able to do that and it's a really significant win. Bearing in mind what we spoke about, in particular the Buffalo Bills who are now back on top of the AFC East will obviously come to the game which impacted that, that yesterday. But they're now the number one seed in in terms of being in position to play the home games in the playoffs, and that's that's significant for the Chiefs. This is they'll be wondering what's going on because they just can't seem to. We had people social engagements last week saying the Bengals just seem to have the Chiefs number, and right now they do. And what mm-hmm. is as a surprise if they play again in the playoffs come January? Probably not the way things are going. Well, you never know. Um, Mark, what about you? Anything to add to that? Any thoughts on the game? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say, Carlo, it, it was a little bit more than they let them hang around. I mean, the Chiefs were winning this game going into the fourth quarter. I mean, they were up 24-17. And for once, the Bengals, who had the heartbreak, obviously, in the Super Bowl with the Rams coming back in the fourth quarter to overtake them, we kind of commented live at the time going into the third quarter. This was the exact position they were in against the 49ers way back when, and it all slipped away from them. Uh, this time, they were the ones making the dramatic fourth quarter comeback. I will say, yes, Joe Burrow was exceptional, but you've got to remember it was more than just him. It always is. The defense, Jermaine Pratt, I did think at one point he might be the brother of Chris Pratt. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. But Jermaine Pratt uh, forced the fumble from Travis Kelsey, which doesn't happen every so often. And bear in mind, 24-20, um, Burrow did the rest from there. He just was immaculate on that final drive. And that's what it takes, though. I mean... We, we say this, the Bengals have the Chiefs number, but you have to almost get, or they have to almost get to a level of immaculate performance, um, getting that early lead, then coming back, then getting the big play on defense, then Burrow playing lights out to close it down to beat the Chiefs. These, both these teams will be there or thereabouts. Mm. I'm fascinated, Calais, about the end product of the AFC North now. Lamar Jackson hobbled yesterday. Don't worry, Colin, we'll get to that game. I know you're dying to talk about it. Um, but they are stumbling again, the Ravens. And when it looked at the schedules, you kind of thought they're going to walk the rest of the division because the Bengals have a really tough road ahead. The Bengals are toughing it out in some big games. So the battle for the AFC North and even winning that division is definitely not over. And that's fascinating. And again, fair play to the Bengals. Many, many Bengals fans can rub it quite directly in our faces, and they should. Uh, we should not have doubted them continuing. Whatever about the Irish NFL show curse, the Burrow curse over Mahomes was more effective. And Pratt may have fumbled, but Chris Pratt would never fumble anything. He'd to take care of business and save the day, of course, right? Let's let's be clear on that. Um, all right. Well, Colm, uh, over to you finally then. Um, maybe give us, give us your thoughts on, on the game as well. Yeah, I got uh, the result of the game wrong, but uh, the Bengals were my pick. Mark is talking about the division. The Bengals were my pick. I, I thought they made uh, good decisions in the offseason and in terms of the free uh, agency acquisitions. And just like last season, they're finding form at the right time. I mean, this is when, when you want to, to come good. We've seen teams in the past start the season hot and then trail off. The Bengals do it the right way. They, they find form uh, right towards the end of the season. I think given, and Mark alluded to it uh, correctly, they do have a very tough running. But given the way the Ravens are, are playing, they will certainly uh, say that they're in with a shout. And if they were to, to go on to, to win it and to win out, given the schedule that they have, maybe Joe Burrow might make a late season uh, kind of push for that MVP race. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly Jamar Chase uh, feels he should be in there. And I think the other thing that stood out to me yesterday, there was an awful lot of chirping from these players against each other on social media during the week. And it was the, the Bengals who seemed to enjoy that uh, the most. Chase got uh, flagged early on uh, on a touchdown pass. Um, but uh, it didn't. It seemed to get into the Chiefs' heads. Um, the not so with these uh, Bengals. Yeah, fair enough. And speaking of chirping and tweeting, please do uh, drop your comments in there uh, live for us. We can we can uh, take on some of those questions if you have them or comments or 
uh, say who's the bald guy who just joined. Uh, I, if you missed the beginning, I can tell you that again. Um, look, let's move on. Stay in the 9 p.m. window. But um, so uh, the Niners took uh, took uh, took down the Dolphins, you know, 33-17, <clears throat> a couple of late scores there. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but an interesting one, really, and, and especially for someone who hasn't watched the NFL for a while, uh, it was it was an interesting matchup. I'm a fan of the 49ers, I have to say. Um, but uh, this one this one was a was a an interesting game. Maybe um, go back the the other direction here, and Colin, maybe you give me your your first take on this before we before we go to the other lads. Yeah, this was uh, a, another game that uh, I think we we all went Dolphins. We all got it absolutely wrong, though. Uh, for that opening uh, 10, 15 seconds or so, it looked uh, amazing. That uh, initial <laughs> scripted play uh, was absolutely in- incredible. Um, but after that, it it was, look, uh, I'll let Brian or Mark talk a little bit about uh, Jimmy G. I, I've made my feelings very clear that I think you win um, you know, with Jimmy G, you don't win because of Jimmy G. And this was, uh, you know, highlighted that. But to me, this was about the, the 49ers defense. Look, they went and they basically bullied the the Dolphins. They at every opportunity, they took their lunch money. And Tua mm. was under duress um, all uh, day long. I will say that um, there's some kind of good clips of Mike McDaniel, who, you know, kept his team spirit up own some of his mistakes uh with the the team um and it will be interesting to see how the the dolphins bounce back from this i think they will um but ultimately they ran into um a defense that they haven't seen before and they i mean as the the game went on the the 49ers just became more and more dominant and I do not, even without their QB, nobody is going to fancy uh, facing these uh, 49ers if, and this is the only issue with San Francisco, if they can remain fit um, and let's see what they, they do at the, the QB position. But my goodness, the edge rushers, the linebackers, it all came together for them. Nice one. And what was your hot take there? You only you win with Jimmy G. You don't win because of Jimmy G. Is that what you said? Yeah, exactly. All right, controversial. Uh, although I'm a, I'm a fan of hints. Yeah, Brian, you want to jump in there? Yeah. See, Colin's had a long-standing love affair with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you know he ah. makes his, he, he makes his uh, feelings very clear on, on this man. And someone, a 49ers fan, said to me today, Brock Purdy, who's meant who's heard of him, Mister Irrelevant. He was the Last pick in the seventh round of the most recent draft last April. Can we go to a Super Bowl with him? Well, I reminded him, and Colin maybe should be reminded of this, when they were three years removed from when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl and was predominantly on, based on their defence. In the divisional round, uh, Garoppolo was 11 of 19 for 131 yards, and in the championship game, he was 6 for 8 for 77 yards. And obviously their run game took over the Packers. Um, yesterday, Brock Purdy was 25 of 27, 210 yards. So... Not too dissimilar numbers. Maybe he's the kind of guy that can just manage the ship, allow their defense to bring them to the promised land. He had two touchdowns also yesterday. My concern for the 49ers going forward is after a period of time, other teams will get tape on this guy and quickly we have to realize what he is and suss him out. Um, I would say from a Dolphins perspective yesterday, they were missing two offensive tackles, which was very evident um, towards the middle part of the game because... Uh, Tua was getting very, very little time. We are used to seeing Tua with a kind of a 
an offensive style of get the ball out quickly, but it seemed to be yesterday they were all the players that were being called quick two yards of steps and then ball out because essentially they knew he was going to get demoralised by a very strong front seven of the 49ers, which I suppose it came to pass throughout the course of the game. And again, to be honest, the score maybe is a little bit of a ill justice on, on, the, on Dolphins because there was a number of late scores, but it's a significant win for the 49ers, more so because they are missing their, their quarterback now and they need to rack up these wins because Seattle are only a game behind them winning the division. And for the Dolphins, they, you know, they were top of the division, they'll have to regroup. Big game again for them next weekend against the Chargers. Um, but now they're no longer top of the division, but a very strong 49ers defence, which uh, is scary when it gets gets going on its day. Yeah. And before I go to you, Mark, I just wanted to say uh, the 49ers, I have a bone to pick with them. They stole the best player from the Panthers in Christian McCaffrey. So I guess I'm kind of the Christian McCaffrey of this podcast, right? I don't know how many for uh, draft round picks we're going to hand to other podcasts uh, for, for me arriving here. Perhaps not many. Uh, Mark, let's hear from you. What's what's your take? Uh, do you have any hot takes like Column on this one or, uh, or where, where are you thinking? Well, um, not necessarily. Not necessarily, Kelly. I'm going to call out, actually, even before this game, there was a bit of extra spice by some of the comments from Jimmy G. He actually announced, he actually let loose in his press conference before this game that the Dolphins, among others, were one of the teams <clears throat> interested in signing him in the offseason, which, of course, too, is having an amazing season, but goes to the heart again of the, maybe that Dolphins t- uh, management before the season were not fully invested in him and rather you know inopportunely he was making comments about playing on turf and that in England everyone in the Premier League plays on grass and it's better for players of course the injury he suffered and he's gone for the season now has nothing to do with that completely being squished between two defenders um, but uh, uh, portend of doom in some respects in that regard and look the story is clearly block Brock Purdy like he's Mr. Irrelevant no more. I'm trying to remember the famous Brocks in my life. There's Brock Lesnar, WWE wrestler, Brock <laughs> Osweiler, who I don't like to talk of because he beat the Patriots one time and Colm doesn't like to talk of because it upsets his blood pressure too much, having seen him play quarterback in Denver. And then there's this. There's, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, who now becomes extremely relevant because he is going to have to be the tiller trying to direct the 49ers. The, the lads have nailed it with the defense. Stat, I've been calling out for a while. It was week seven. The Dolphins actually broke something. They they scored a touchdown in the second half. That's the first points the 49ers conceded in the second half of the game since week seven. This defense has been more than lights out. It has been downright dirty and nasty. And in this amazing matchup between McDaniel and Shanahan, we were all going with the Dolphins thinking, McDaniel knows that team. He knows the players. He knows Shanahan. Well, you've got to remember, of course, yeah, it equally plays the other way. Shanahan knows McDaniel and what he's trying to do uh, on the Dolphins' side. It was a great game. Obviously, it didn't play as, as we expected with uh, Garoppolo going off so early. There were some... Long-range touchdowns, lots of great play by your friends at Run CMC, uh, Calais. So you were delighted, I'm sure, <laughs> to see him getting yards from scrimmage every which way but loose. Um, and that is what that 49ers team continues to offer on the offensive side. If it's not C-Mac, it might be Ayuk. If it's not him, it might be Kittle. If it's not them, it could be Samuel. They can all run the ball. They can all definitely catch and run with the ball. And if you've got a quarterback who's just going to give them the ball at the right stage, this could be a... First Tom Brady Super Bowl. This could be a um, 
uh, Trent Dilfer type situation with the, the Ravens. This could be uh, Brad Johnson with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You might just need the caretaker. And don't turn the ball over. Get the ball to your playmakers and let that defense do the rest. So 49ers fans might be feeling sad with Jimmy G's injury, but there is always hope. And, uh, you know, who knows? Would, would you Another Super Bowl rematch of this nature might be interesting. Uh, Dan Marino, John Montana, take two, just with Tua and Brock Purdy. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, let's see how it shakes out. Um, okay. Well, listen, we have uh, another game at the 9 o'clock slot that we're going to talk about now, and that was the um, the Raiders getting their revenge for week one, uh, beating the Chargers 27-20. Um, so the Raiders are in a little bit of a run here. Um, maybe, uh, Brian, do you want to kick us off on this one? Uh, I see you're, you're good on the stats as well. Give me some good stats on this one as well, if you can. Oh, and I don't have made too, too many stats on this game, but... Uh, like, oh, feeling, shit. I, I re- oh, sorry. Actually, I do. I do. I'll tell you where the game turned. Three plays in the third quarter, 14 points for the Raiders. Essentially changing the game dramatically. Look, you make my... That's a stat. Good man. There's a stat. Um, I'll always <laughs> give you a good stat. Look, uh, three weeks ago, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders head coach, was being talked about as uh, the next head coach before. They just lost to the coach, Jeff Saturday, and, and his... Uh, opportunity to be a head coach of the coast they lost that game and everybody thought the world had collapsed and since then they've now won three games in a row two overtime and a significant game in the division i make my feelings very clear on this Chargers team and the Chargers head coach week in week out um you know they're, as dunphy said would say they're a share of spoofers and they, and they really are because yesterday again was an opportunity uh, in a big game to put themselves in a position bearing in mind they wouldn't been aware of the jets results which would have impacted on them being back in the playoff positions they go and lose a game against a big rival. And one thing I'd say about this Raiders team, we said it last week, they are playing for this head coach right now. And Josh Jacobs, who is their running back, and arguably is probably going to be the, one of the number one targets for most teams come free agency in March, because it doesn't look like, as well as he's playing, you know, he had 303 yards last week. He didn't have similar numbers this week, but he got the touchdowns. As well as he's playing, it doesn't look like they're going to honour him with a new contract. And he put the game away. Um, there was a big, long, strong drive at the end to put the game away. And these are the type of games in the past the Raiders in particular would find ways to lose. But right now, Devontae Adams is playing. We're starting to see Devontae Adams and carry that relationship. They had a flea flicker touchdown last week in Seattle, and they, they did it again this week, this time from Mac, Mac Collins to, to Devontae Adams. It's a significant win for the Raiders. They're playing the Rams yeah. on Thursday with an opportunity to win four games in a row. And maybe they aren't, maybe they aren't there with this wildcard race. Maybe there's, there's another story to be, to be told. Uh, from a charge perspective, it's nil all early in the game. They're on a fourth and two. And again, this head coach continuously decides to go for everything on fourth down instead of taking three points when offer. Maybe would have came down to a little bit of a different strategy towards the end of the game. They may not have been down by seven. They could have been down by three or four. They could have been very different. I just don't see, bearing in mind the closeness of every game in divisions in particular, where you're giving away opportunity not to take points. But this head coach was brought in, brought in to fix the defence in particular, and we saw again on the last drive, they can't stop the run. They allowed Jacobs to go up and down the field on him for large parts of the game. And when they really needed to stop, they couldn't do it. And that sums up this Chargers team. We just don't know from one week to the next what we're going to see from them. Yeah, defense probably not fixed then is probably the takeaway there. Uh, all right, uh, Mark, how about you? Uh, any other any other insights yeah. on that one yourself? Yeah, you, you want a couple of stats, Callie. So I'm going to say Yes, to you, I do. It, I want yeah. stats. 
Well, I mean, okay, does it does it feel like there have been more comebacks this year? Does it feel like there have been more fourth quarter comebacks or big point differential triggers? Well, the reality is they they it does because there has been. So at the weekend, the Packers and the Raiders contributed to the number of teams who have 10 plus point comebacks during the game. Ooh. Also, the Giants, Brian, we'll get to them, did come back from 10 points down, albeit only to tie. There have been 39 games uh, of that nature this season. That's the most in the NFL all time through 13 weeks. Equally, there have been 62 games in which a team has come back in the fourth quarter to win or tie, which again is the most ever in the NFL through 13 weeks of games. So there you go. That's my that's my interesting stat for the night. I'm done. No more You're stats. The winner. I'm good. You're the winner on the stats there. I like that. Um, but look, this is this Raiders team, and and Brian's kind of you know um, publicly hung the uh, charges there, so I'll leave them alone for a minute. I'm going to give a bit of praise to this Raiders team. I mean, they are responsible for several of those comebacks, having um, thrown away leads miserably a few times at the start of the season, including a couple of 17 plus point leads. Um, and when they lost to the Colts, Derek Carr gave a very emotional news conference, called out some teammates, got very teary on the news, uh, on the press box. Since then, they're 3-0. and Since then, they've almost cut it back down to basics. They are leaning on Josh Jacobs. They are leaning on Devontae Adams. Yet again, an amazing performance. Eight receptions, 177 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and it's almost like they've just simplified everything down. They're, they're not even trying to find Hollins. They're not trying to find Waller. They're not trying to find anyone else. It's hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs, throw the ball to Devontae Adams, don't do anything stupid, and they're getting wins out of it. Um, you know, maybe it's a little bit too late for the playoffs. Maybe at the end of the day, that Colts loss will be the difference between them making it or not making it. But they are certainly turning this around step by step and um, showing some life in the season that was heading strongly in the wrong direction. And yet again, the only thing I'll say about the Chargers, this was a huge opportunity. You know, the, the Patriots are falling off with their strength to schedule. Um, there's definite opportunity for a playoff space there, for a wild card space. They're not going to obviously catch up with the Chiefs. And they, they should be winning this game. They should be winning a lot more of these types of games. And those opportunities allow them to pass. It's obviously, we, we recanted beforehand the... Um, the history of this, the last time they uh, they played the end of last season, of course, with the Chargers failing at the end, the Raiders getting the walk-off field goal in interesting circumstances where a tie would have suited both parties, to say the least, um, and not making the playoffs. And too many times with the talent they are, they're just throwing away the opportunities. So, yeah. Sorry, yeah, Chargers fans. There's the boot going in as well. I know. This yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Uh, you t send your comments. Let, let Mark know what you think of that. Um, all right, Colm. Uh, I'm not requiring stats, but if you have some, obviously I'd love them. Uh, uh, but otherwise, I just wanted to hear your take on it. I think we, we have a fairly clear picture, but, but any other thoughts? Um, I, to me, I suppose, and Brian has um, kind of talked talk a little bit around it already, but after that loss to, to the Coles, they went out and they got Jerry Tillery, um, former Charger, uh, former first-round pick, uh, who the Chargers declined the fifth-round option, and then he was released, and the Raiders picked him up, and that seems to have really kind of shored up um, their their D-line and has allowed kind of Chatter Jones to, to break through, and um, the 
suddenly last year they were all about the pass rush they were all about making opposing qbs uncomfortable and that is what they are doing again and much like uh, as a manchester United fan i remember ryan giggs would have these incredible years every time there was a contract up for for grabs and they we are seeing the same um, with Josh Jacobs, he's going to get paid. He has over 100 yards rushing in each of the last three. For uh, this was one. Uh, did we all? Did we all go Raiders in this one? I think this was one where we where we beat the the curse. Um, uh, the the Chargers were one of the preseason favorites, um, but I I am not um, a big fan of any of their their wide receivers. I am a big fan of, of Justin Herbert. Um, but I am definitely coming around to Brian's viewpoint on the head coach. Uh, I think he uh, may be a bit like um, Vic Fangio and others can be a very good defensive um, coordinator, but the head coaching gig it might be just too too big. And I think if the Charger or if the Chargers don't get things figured out um, very very soon, uh, we could see certainly a change of head coach potentially even um a, a change in their front office as well yeah interesting times okay well um let's move on to the um a few of the 6 p.m games so uh Colum, i know you were actually at the minnesota vikings game over thanksgiving there and uh, i i was curious it was it was a close close game then i guess we had another one a close one there last night uh they've they fended off the Jets there for a late rally, and they won at 27-22. Maybe you could uh, to give us your take on it there um, and, and what you made of the game and, and why you think it played out the way it did. Yeah, the, this Vikings team certainly um, come with a lot of skepticism from a lot of people um, because they, they tend to adjust. So last year they did the same. They played the opposition. Uh, but last year they inevitably found ways to lose games this year, they find ways to win games. So their last four games, Kala, they've actually played the top four defenses in terms of DVOA. And they have come out with a three and one record, which is uh, seriously impressive uh, given what they, they faced. And despite uh, some of the questions around uh, Kirk Cousins, that continue to, to be there. Uh, Kirk has been getting it done in Justin Jefferson. They have a ridiculously talented uh, wide receiver and their defense uh, turned up when they needed to them to yesterday. Uh, for the, the Jets, I, um, I think Mike White um, did okay. Um, uh, there's always this, when Mike White comes in, he starts off with a bang and there is all sorts of kind of giddiness around him. Um, but I didn't think he... He regressed a little bit yesterday, um, but I, I still think he was probably more impressive than anything that we've seen from the number two overall pick last year, Zach Wilson. So from my money, I think they will probably continue to, to play him. And I think they will just chalk this down to uh, a, a difficult uh, road game against a, a tough Vikings team. And for the Vikings, look, they're, they're going to be kings in the north this year there is uh, I think little doubt about that and the question will be um, can the feel-good factor that Kevin O'Connell has instigated in that locker room how far will that be able to carry them in the playoffs interesting they will be kings of the north so their watch has not ended uh, for all you Game of Thrones fans out there um, Mark 
any additional takes on that one? Uh, I think uh, Colm's made his position clear, but what, what about you? Yeah, I was a bit surprised when Colin was bringing up, you know, Mike White and the Big Bang. I wondered, was he going to talk about the scientific theory uh, or the famous uh, sitcom, the Big Bang Theory? Or, in fact, knowing Colin, it might well have been the South Korean boy band, the Big Bang, was where he was actually going to. But, uh, yeah, Mike White, I, I actually have to say, I think is a vast improvement on Zach Wilson. And the team is rallying around him. They all wore T-shirts with his face on in the build-up to the game. They they are believing in Mike White. And certainly when it looked like they were going to launch one of those famous comebacks, I was just giving you the stats on the last game. Um, I mean, they were down 17 points uh, in the first half. They were down 12 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and White gutted out a run, effectively. And you could see almost the passion the team the teamwork the camaraderie oozing between those jets like Colum said their comeback fell short the vikings did make just enough plays to escape with the victory to escape in a, another one score game which we've obviously had a number of this season as well across the board and the vikings somehow are finding a way to fight through it but i actually thought um for the jets fans that have suffered so so long i remember we did the uh the draft show on Virgin Media a couple of years ago, and I described them as the William Shakespeare of the NFL because Shakespeare only wrote histories, tragedies, and comedies, and the Jets' best days are in the history, and everything else since has been a tragedy or a comedy. Um, the reality is this is the first uh, time, maybe the Rex Ryan years, I grant you, in the early noughties, uh, you could in, uh, or early tens, if you like, you could include, but the... Um, this is the first time in a long time they've had a lot of hope. That's still an absolutely awesome defense. Mike White's given them a spark, and Robert Sala is one of the best coaches in the NFL, full stop. So nice. hope springs, but yeah, that those Vikings, yeah, we'll still see. We'll still see. All right, all right. Uh, Brian, what's your take on that? We got a little bit a little bit of back and forth on it. They gotta lose the t-shirts. I mean, what's the t-shirts all about? He's not looking <laughs> coming into the league. I mean, it's cringe TV, you know, they're so they're so wanting to reward the guy for having been there for so long and not having had his opportunity that they're bringing out these t-shirts and everybody's talking so great about him after games um you love it's for merch sales surely that's well, that's what they're doing for look they, they must trust it's... him because they allowed him yesterday they called 57 passing plays yesterday you had two interceptions they've got a really strong running game there and they kind of got away from that fairly early you're asking for stats and i'll give you a couple there three for oh 16, yes three for 16 on tour downs mike white one for six in the red zone mike white you know um, this Jets defense, which we were lauding on Thursday's show, um, as one of the best in the league, and when they got back into the game at a critical point, they, um, with 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they allowed the uh, Vikings, so hadn't moved the ball for, by and large, 12, 12 minutes in an NFL game, which is quite a lot of time, bearing in mind some of the drives you could have. They allowed them to go seven for 75 yards, uh, five first downs, the only five first downs in which they had in the second half were all in one drive, and they allowed a touchdown, which essentially gave the game away. And... Uh, I'm not going to buy into the Mike White stuff just yet. Yeah, it's it's good for them because they've had such a difficult season with the previous quarterback. But um, the game was there to be won yesterday and I thought some of the play calling by the head coach and the reliance on him to be the one winning the game for them was a bit unfair. And just to reflect on what the guys are saying about this Vikings team and Colin Wright called out to me at the times last year in which they, uh, they lost games they should have won. And I was looking through the list today of the games in which they have won at home with all these you know, quite close games. And I, I looked at genuinely every team that's played there is probably walked away saying, How have we not won that game? The Jets yesterday will feel like they should have won it, bearing in mind 
the circumstances, how the game played out. The Lions should have beaten. They lost by four points. The Cardinals lost by five points. They had the game to win. The Bears came back and lost by six points. And last week, Mark's Patriots and the game which Colin was at, they lost by a touchdown. And every single one of those teams will have walked away from that game going, how did we not beat that Vikings team? But they are where they are. They're the second seed in the NFC and they're winning the close games. I would put a lot of it down to great uh, head coaching. Earlier on in the season, we were talking about who's going to be the coach of the year. And obviously the Giants and Brian Dable was in the running. Mike Fravel from the Titans. But how can you fault Kevin O'Connell? They're, they're up there. They're only one game outside of the fourth seed in the NFC. Another great win for the Vikings, who played the Lions this week in another difficult game. And Every week the bookmaker doesn't fancy them. Well, I think the Lions are actually favourites to beat the Vikings this weekend, despite the records. So that's an unusual one as well. Um, great win for the Vikings. For the Jets, the Mike White era is off to it. Patchy start, I would say. Oh, did you have a counterpoint there, Mark? Yeah, well, yeah, Cal. I, I, I thought at first, Brian, you know, breaking down the Vikings' wins was going a bit Dennis Allen almost. Like they are who we thought they were. Um, uh, thought he was building up to a good old round there, but I can't hear the blasphemy against the Jets' defense. I mean, Brian's right. The Vikings did drive for a touchdown, and then what did the Jets defense do? They tightened up. They gave the offense ball, the ball back twice, forcing two, three and outs. So they gave the offense enough opportunities to win the game. Of course it wasn't enough, but that, that defense is amazing. Like, come on, give them, give them their credit. It was a, it was a significant credit. time in the fourth quarter, Mark. All the momentum. I know they gave them the opportunity. The, the first quarter is always significant though. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. All quarters. The second one helps as well. All quarters are significant. Yeah. All right. Well, and also, uh, there's other Mike Whites. Mike White wrote the White Lotus and School of Rock. He's excellent too. Although maybe this isn't the forum to talk about that. But uh, recommendations if anyone's interested. Um, all right. Cool. Um, now, uh, Brian, did you want to put up some comments here? Maybe uh, you said there was a couple coming in, and I'm fresh to this. So let me know how we want to do it. Yeah, no, I'll just blast a few up on the screen and we can all maybe do it. Yeah. On this one. So uh, Baker Mayfield was released by the Panthers today. Um, any team that picks him up on the waiver war will have a, a cost oh, of Jesus. One, $1. <laughs> 1.3 million. 1.3 million for the rest of the season. And this relates back to the 49ers because of the situation with Jimmy G gone for the season. Will they consider bringing Baker Mayfield in? Their next quarterback up, should Brock Purdy get injured, is Josh Johnson, who played for the Jets last year. Um, so maybe it wouldn't be a bad insurance. They might as well take him. They took everyone else who was any good at the Panthers, so that's fine with me. <laughs> Colin Baker Mayfield? Uh, just just Johnson. Uh, I think this is uh, team number four, 14, um, and this, is, I believe, is his fourth stint. Uh, I believe the Wikipedia P, uh, Wikipedia page was updated last night uh, to reflect uh, that. Uh, I think it's the most stints at any uh, team uh, in terms of, of, it may have been that somebody came back for a one-day contract, but certainly in, in terms of, of playing. Um, for for Baker, I mean, this is quite phenomenal. We, we are not that far removed from when, you know, he had a, a decent year and the, the Browns went uh, to, to the playoffs. So um, it's clearly things have gone very, very wrong uh, for him. And I mean, I suppose it, the only like um, I I don't know. I wonder would would Kyle Shannon want to upset uh, the what they have got going on there? But uh, if they were to pick him up, it would be interesting to see what Kyle could potentially do. Um, Kyle might be the only only 
um, head coach who could do something uh, with Baker Mayfield. But yeah, the Browns have a, a long litany of number one overall um, QB picks who have um, been uh, enormously disappointing. Oh, that's so diplomatic of you. They've been crap, Hallam, is what you mean. Yes. Uh, <laughs> did you have anything you want to throw in there? Calais, I, I'm not. I'm not loving the idea of the 49ers relying upon Josh Johnson in any capacity. As as Colin said, I mean he's the Vinny Testaverde of this generation, except with far less production and far less arm talent than Vinny Testaverde, and, and a less cool name. Testaverde yeah. is probably one of the greatest. Names. Although Josh Johnson's kind of got a bit of alliteration going on, I think. I think. I think that can work. I think that can work. Okay, but, fair enough. Um, you know, if you can pick up Baker Mayfield and doesn't count low against the salary cap as a backup to Purdy, I mean, Jesus, how have the mighty fallen? Number one yeah. pick being backup to Mr. Irrelevant would be something else. But who else do they take? You mean, you know, they need some veteran backup. I wouldn't be comfortable in relying on Johnson. So the 49ers probably make some adjustment this week. Um, I don't know if Baker's the answer. I'd rather... Look, we got Mike White now playing for the Jets. I'd rather they took Jack White from the White Stripes. That'd probably be better. Ah! Yes. It'd be more rocking anyway, that's for sure. Uh, did you... Did you? I, I think I see yeah. you itching, Colin. What do you want to say there? Just on the Mr. Irrelevant uh, piece, because it's a, a talking point all the time. Uh, the Broncos uh, took Mr. Irrelevant a few years ago, Chad Kelly, who was uh, a nephew of the famous Jim Kelly, who called oh. you... My original interest in NFL. Wow. Indeed. Um, And Chad Kelly became most famous for getting drunk at uh, Von Miller's (laughs) Halloween party. um, And and stumbling out the door, finding his way into somebody's house. They came out to find him on the couch and attacked him uh, with a rumba. Um, so that was the end of uh, Chad Kelly's NFL career, where he was chased down the street uh, with a rumba. A rumba, like the vacuum cleaner robot thing. Yeah, the person pick, picked it up. It was the closest thing to hand, and proceeded wow. to beat him over the head until he ran out the door. That's uh, that's beyond humiliating. Um, uh, all right, <laughs> Mark <laughs> Brian, did you have anything you want to throw in there to the rumba discussion or irrelevance no, or or, or all of the above? A lot of engagement over the fact that Mark was talking about Brock's earlier on, this Brock and that Brock, and maybe it's oh, the yeah. Brock you, you put in the Brock you put in the coddle. Is that what you call it? But um, Brock, don't forget Brock Landers, Mark. That was the one I uh, thought of. Yeah, Brock Wright is actually playing in the NFL. He had a touchdown yesterday against the uh, the Jaguars. You forgot that one, Mark. You, no, you I did forget him. that one. Thank you, Stephen. Maybe, maybe he was nice in your fancy team. Um, a couple of comments around the 49ers, obviously their defense, which kind of refers to what we said. Uh, Keith's a big fort, or sorry, big Dolphins fan. And he's uh, discussing about not many quarterbacks have had successful days this season against that defense. Um, and this is an interesting one because bear in mind that the Chargers traded for Khalil Mack um, last uh, last offseason. They're saying he's a busted flush. I think it's a bit early to be saying that despite the uh, frailties of this Chargers defense. But that's it. There's quite a few other comments. We'll try to get to, some more. Great. Towards, towards well, keep, keep, keep them coming. Yeah, keep them coming. Uh, we'll, we'll go on to the next game, uh, lads, if that's okay. Um Let's talk about the Eagles game. Um, I mean, they made light work of the Titans this week. I mean, who is going to stop this Eagles team? Like, I haven't watched much NFL, but I know the Eagles are doing well. Uh, so maybe, um, Brian, do you want to kick us off on this one? Are, is anyone going to stop the Eagles? What, what do you think? Uh, God, yeah. I'm speechless with this team. Um, 
Gallup. This wouldn't be one of the teams in which I have much uh, brotherly love for, as they say, um, oh. in Philadelphia. Uh, no, See what you did Gi- there. As a Giants fan, um, no, I wouldn't be very keen. But look, I was very uh, hesitant on this team going into the season. Even early on in the season, I wasn't selecting them. And the, the lads thought I was doing it to be uh, deceivious and, and because of my hatred for the team. But no, you got to give it to this team. They, you know, I thought this Titans team were built to slow them down. But the thing, what I would say about this Titans team is the way they win, the way in which they win games, they tend to lead and put game, put teams away. When they when they go behind by more than a touchdown, two touchdowns, they find it very difficult to catch up. They're just not built in that way. They've got a great coach, so when they find themselves down by two touchdowns against a team as explosive as the Eagles, it's going to be very difficult to come back. And a few things I really picked up on yesterday: Jalen Hurts, who's been such a run-heavy quarterback this season, in terms of the playbook, he only ran the ball five for five. He only ran the ball five times yesterday. And even Sanders, they're more efficient running back. Didn't have the greatest of games. He was it was quiet. But ultimately, it came down to Jalen Hurts again, surprising me with how good he is with his arm. Twenty nine for thirty nine, three hundred eighty yards, three touchdowns. I said on the show AJ Brown would go off in this game because he was traded last April from the Titans when he was looking for a contract. They offered him sixty million. He wanted twenty two. The Eagles were happy to pay it and sacrifice their their first round pick. He had eight receptions for 119 yards, two touchdowns. They went to town on this team. And one player that was has been injured and not playing yeah, their defensive tackle, their first-round pick, Jordan Davis, came back yesterday. And immediately you could see the upside in terms of how efficient they are in stopping the run, going against the Titans, who have arguably one of the best running backs in the league, Derrick Henry. Great for the Eagles to see him back at such a significant time this season. They really put down a marker yesterday. Like We all knew they were not likely to be number one seed, but when you're beating a team so convincingly, as a team that will be in the playoffs, albeit in the AFC. It's a huge, it's a huge result for them. And you look at the games in which they're coming up, I don't think anybody's going to beat them in terms of stopping them being the number one seed. And right now, with the 49ers situation, I'm looking at the NFC and I'm wondering who will beat them because they've already played the Vikings. And I know playoffs are very different to the regular season. They put a marker down on them in week two. Maybe it'll be the Cowboys. They're, they're having a great season. They had a really strong performance last night. We'll come to that. Maybe they are the team, ultimately, that will be the team that can knock them off. But right now, I don't see any team, unfortunately. So, so, your, so your answer is a grudging, maybe there's nobody can beat them. Maybe they will make it there all the way. Okay. Well, Colin, Colin picked them to be in the Super Bowl. So Colin has been smiling like a Cheshire cat for, for oh, weeks yeah. on end. And he is again. But, but, um, go on then, Colin. <laughs> Elaborate <laughs> on that Cheshire cat smile. Tell us tell us why you're beaming. Uh, because, Kala, um, we if you go back uh, two, two years, um, the, there was an awful lot of doubts from the two gentlemen um, below me about uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, his ability to play quarterback in uh, this league. And I get, I get a whole host of things wrong, but I was the conductor of the Jalen Hurts hype train. Uh, so it is wonderful to, to see it pay off. And uh, Howie Roseman has done a, a fantastic job uh, in terms of putting that roster together. Yeah, AJ Brown certainly enjoyed his afternoon and Brian rightly call, calls out uh, getting uh, Jordan Davis back is, um, well, enormous uh, both literally and figuratively uh, he is a 320 pound man who runs uh, a 40 second dash in four and a half seconds um the the for the titans um you know mike rabel is a heck of a coach but ultimately this is a team that was built on their ability to bully teams in the trenches on both the o-line and the d-line and 
injuries have taken their toll this year and they are not able to to do that in the same way. Um, Teams have therefore been able to scheme and come up with ways to limit Derrick Henry's effectiveness. Um, It will be interesting to see how the Titans look to respond to that um, and and what they can do to to see out the the rest of the season. I think they're very fortunate that they're in a division that's going to be very kind to them. Um, so I think they will probably um, make the, the playoffs, certainly. So I think for them, the rest of the season is trying to um, right the, the ship on both of the, the lines and get back to where they once were. Right. Uh, so we have a grudging uh, grudging respect for them. We have a beaming Cheshire cat. Mark, what's what's yours? Are you smiling? Are you sad? Is anyone going to beat these these Eagles? What what's the what's well? Your well I, I feel the need to point out on behalf of all Washington Commanders fans that they have <laughs> beaten the Eagles this year. And oh, they are very good in that eleven and one record. But at the same token, um, they've been the class team in the NFL, obviously, especially in the NFC. Um, and, and let's face it, that, that NFC East is not made up of chumps this season. So um, they've got some tough divisional games ahead still, but they have played everyone on the, you know, they played the Vikings, they gave them a thump and they played the Cowboys. It's 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 not a fake record. It's not a question like with the Vikings. Yes, they're 10-2, and two, but look at their point differential. Look at the games that have mattered and they've been the two big ones they've lost. So it's a very real scenario. And I am on the... Jalen Hurts apology train. Um, absolutely. Um, when a couple, we, we've got more than enough recordings of me questioning Jalen Hurts' <laughs> ability to play quarterback in the NFL. I never doubted his ability to play running back, but I doubt his ability to play quarterback. Um, and he's definitely been one of the most dynamic um, uh, running quarterbacks. I mean, from the city that originally gave us Randall Cunningham, that was the, the prototype in this regard. Um, he has performed that dual role extremely well. Only a few weeks ago when they ran for 363 yards and Hurts kept quaiting for a lot of it. But then it's great to see him with this side of the uh, of his play as well. That's what really keeps defences off balance. Think I, I think back to Colin Kaepernick in those great playoff games for the 49ers against the Packers. And one time he beats him with his legs, next time he just beats him with his arm. It's like, you're going to stop me doing this? Then I'm going to beat you the other way. Um, this game was all about AJ Brown. Sorry, the revenge klaxon was flaring, and he was more than determined to take out his revenge and wreck his uh, his vengeance on the Titans that, in his mind, abandoned him by trading him to the Eagles. But w- why is he complaining? He's on an eleven and one team, which throws the ball around and gives him multiple opportunities, as opposed to being the only deep threat in a offense that wants to run the ball even more frequently. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the Eagles defense. There have been games where they have been sublime this season. They they haven't been as consistent as the offense, but yesterday, zero points for the Titans in the second half. We're calling out the 49ers, so let's call out the Eagles for doing that. Locking down any NFL offense in that way is special when you're limiting Derrick Henry to 30 yards on 11 carries. Limiting Ryan Tannehill to 141 yards, not as impressive, but sacking him six times and keeping him on the back foot is pretty impressive. Um, they've got it all. I called out last week. The four times they've been 10-1 before, they have advanced to the championship game. 47, they won the NFL, uh, lost the Super Bowl in 80 and 2004 and won it, obviously, uh, a couple of years ago. The only three times they've been 11-1 and were, again, 
back in 47, 80, and 2004. So you might say it's destined to be, and in some oh. ways inevitable, but let's see. Date with let's destiny. See. Date with destiny. And as far as the Jalen train goes, where there's the hype train and the apology train, I think I'm probably still at the platform wondering which train I should be catching at this point, you know? Um, okay, <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, so here's a rare one, and I'm probably going to need one of you to explain, but... There was a draw or a tie, as they say. A 2020 game was it was between the Giants and the Commanders, isn't that right? Um, so how does a tie work? Because I thought there was overtimes and all of that. I forgive me, I'm sure there's a very educated football audience out there, but I sort of was baffled by it. I couldn't I didn't realize how you so, make a tie. Does anyone jump in on that? So so Callie, it's it's actually really simple. If if teams are tied after four quarters, it goes now to only a 10-minute overtime period. Uh, and if those two teams are so pathetic that they cannot put a further <laughs> score on the board during those 10 minutes, then in that scenario, they draw it a tie and they, you know, kind of add a one at the end of their um, record as a, okay. you know, a sign of shame. We've already had one tie. I, I think there's a jab in there. Is there, Mark? Uh, there there might you... be something directed towards the Giants, <clears throat> but Brian's going to break down how they came back from 10 points down, had the commanders by the throat. And then somehow let it all slip away. Uh, Callow, I just like to remind Mark there was a team which made the playoffs a couple of years ago because they had a toy on their, uh, their <laughs> on their results, and it, and it got them into the playoffs. And right now that result is is benefiting the Giants now to be in the playoff mix. Um, it's funny you're saying you don't know what the rules are. Uh, one of the Washington players didn't know what the rule was either because great, I'm, game, I'm in good company then. I mean. <laughs> at the end of the game, when Graham Gano, the Giants kicker, had an opportunity to win the game with a 58-yard field goal, and um, he wasn't making anything close to that in the warm-up um, because of the wind in that particular stage, and he was only hitting 53 to that end of the end of the uh, the field. The Washington player said to him, "Sure, what happens now?" And Graham Gano said, "We go home." <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, Mark refers to the Giants being down 10 points. They were down 10 points very early, and it looked like it was one of those games again that was going to get away from them, and they, they rallied and came back. And it is very much a feeling today for Giants fans. I won that they, they let, it, let slip. They were 20 13 up for large parts of the fourth quarter, and it took a 90 yard drive with two minutes to go from the commanders to get the game into overtime, in which there was a fourth down play, which was a miraculous play again by. Their quarterback, Heineke, who seems to be a slippery little slow because he fumbled the ball three times yesterday and the Giants only recovered one of them. Uh, there were missed opportunities for interceptions. In in overtime itself, they only had one forced down. The Giants completely shut them down and shut them down for large parts of the game with the exception of that last-minute drive, which was quite frustrating. And then, as I said, the Giants had an opportunity to win the game in the end. Yeah, it's a bit weird to see a tie. There isn't many of them. We have had one earlier in the season between the Colts and the Texans in week one. I did text the guys last night and say, I have no feelings whatsoever after that game. And Mark said, it's like kissing your sister. <clears throat> to which I replied saying, I don't have a sister, so where, where do I go from here? And that's how it pretty much feels. It's one that slipped away. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, maybe in the, in, the, in the longevity of an NFL season, come week 18 when the playoff uh, spots are being filled. That it might be crucial. It could be crucial. Um, you never please, know. Please, please, God. Or it might please mean God. nothing as well. Yeah. But they might make a wild card spot. Don't, don't, don't worry. Uh, you never know. Colin, what about you? What's your take on this, uh, this drawn game here? Um, well, Mr. O'Leary was complaining earlier about some of the, the penalties that the uh, Giants had, particularly a taunting penalty. Um, but what Mr. O'Leary failed to point out was that the owner 
um, who pushed uh, for taunting uh, to be a much more serious offence for referees to enforce it. And even last year when uh, many fans, many analysts, many players uh, complained about the new taunting rules, wanted a change uh, at the owners' meeting uh, in the spring, uh, the, the man who had uh, put the, the rule together and pushed for it stood up again and said, no, no, this is what we want. We want to continue this. We want to, we want to see it continue to be enforced. And that man is the man who owns the New York football giants. So, um, yeah, the, you know, uh, re reaping and sowing, uh, if you are familiar with that meme from uh, social media, that's where where we are at. Um, I, look, I, I think both of these teams, uh, can, I mean, the, the kind of ding-dong nature of it convinced the league to flex it into um, the Sunday night uh, fixture in just a few weeks. I think both of these teams are probably, um, you would look at it and say, neither of them are probably complete rosters but both of them have really good head coaches and they're both I think playing for their respective head coaches be that Brian Dable who has just taken over at the Giants or Ron Rivera and it will be interesting to see uh, the next time these teams meet if we see Chase Young back on a football field, um, the the uh, Washington Commanders have been taken. I think what I think is correct, a kind of a cautious approach with him. They want to ensure he's right, um, because they want him uh, around for um, long term of his uh, career. But it sounds like he is very very close, and they just weren't going to play him yesterday because of the turf. Very good. Well, listen, uh, we're going to go into, I, as I understand, you have your little quick fire segment. So we're going to go quick fire now. I know uh, there's a bit of rules we probably need on taunting here as well. So we'll have to write those for next week. But um, uh, let's just go through the other ones. Uh, and and uh, um, Mark, I'll, I'll go to you first, just with the Cowboys and the Colts. Uh, or, uh, just tell me, tell me your quick thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kelly, surprisingly, if you look at the final score, this was actually a very competitive game through three quarters. I mean, the Colts were only two points behind. They were pushing the Cowboys close. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I think the expression open the floodgates came, comes from about the 15th century. I mean, if we want a more recent pop culture reference, Maximus Decimus Meridius, at my signal, unleash hell. And the Cowboys mm. rode for five touchdowns in a 33-point fourth quarter. I mean, there are NBA teams who would be happy with a 33-point quarter. Let's be clear. And, uh, you know, ends up being an absolute trouncing 54 points. Um, it does remind me, um, you know, with you being on the show, Kelly, like the Denver Broncos discussion has at least reduced 50%, which is a bit like their <laughs> offensive output as well. Oh, um, Denver's scored 45 points since Halloween. Denver, uh, Dallas managed it 54 in a night. So That's a sick with, burn. Right with there. That, and not because Colin's going to shoot me, but I'm exiting stage left for the rest of the show, and I will leave you gents to it. But I'm, I'm glad to support Fred and the Cowboys teams to get that in and just a few parting shots before I love you and leave you tonight, gents. Nice one, Mark. Thanks for that, and enjoy the rest of your evening. All right, we will keep rapid firing in your absence. So uh, I'm going to go to column for this one. The uh, the Seahawks winning late against the Rams, 27-23. What's your take on that? 
Yeah, this was a, a kind of a, a, an interesting game because the Rams are so, so depleted. I mean, without Stafford, without Aaron Donald, without Cooper Cup, kind of three of their, their major players. Um, and the, the Seahawks have been pretty impressive this year, but had been on a bit of a, a slide. These are two teams who um, don't like each other, maybe at the best of times, but <laughs> with Bobby Wagner uh, having um, left Seattle, um, he was very fired up. Jalen Ramsey was very fired up. Um, but we saw Pete Carroll, um, who uh, I have had uh, interesting thoughts on, but uh, put my hand up early, already this year and, and apologize. And in fairness to Pete, he got the team together because he saw that the Rams were looking to get fired up on, on their sideline. And he got the team together and kind of got, got them uh, going as well. And ultimately, the, the Seahawks find a way to win. For the Rams, the end of the season can't come soon enough. Um, with them falling to three and nine, it is the uh, worst record of any defending Super Bowl champion um, in the the Super Bowl era. So, um, yeah, they just cannot wait to get this one uh, over and done with. Um, and what would be interesting though is while they they can't wait to get it done, will we see Sean McVay uh, back next year? Will we see Aaron Donald? Uh, back next year those will be the big questions for the off season yeah big questions indeed uh okay uh brian what about uh the lions and their uh their game again at home uh this this past weekend 40 14 yeah very impressive i mean the one thing we've just spoke about even on our show today is how how efficient this offense has been this year they've been a really bright spot and they've lost some difficult games because of how poor their defense has been they've had so many high scoring games but we saw a real dominant performance from the defence yesterday. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was put out a game, which looked like a potentially ending, a game, game ending uh, injury, potentially a season ending injury, only to come back in in the, in the third quarter. But like you look at the stats from this game, eight possessions, nine possessions in total for the Lions. They scored on eight possessions in a row. And the ninth possession was them essentially taking a knee to close out the game. Um, it's only the uh, second time it's been done in, in, in NFL history. And it, sorry, it's only the second time it's been done in four years. Apologies. So the numbers are off the charts. Uh, Goff, the quarterback, who's had a lot of criticism, even on this show, people have a mixed opinion on him. He did take the Rams to the Super Bowl. 31-42, 342 yards Jesse, three touchdowns. We were speaking the other day on the show around where the Lions sit in terms of draft picks next year. They do have a, a pick in the top 10 because they have another team's pick. So essentially, they will be in a position to take a quarterback. But right now, you'd wonder if they, if, if unless there's someone that they really, really love, should they be looking at a quarterback? Because... Mm. The numbers in which they put up this season are off the charts. And a game in which we felt would be, we did say it'd be a high-scoring game. We felt it'd be quite close, bearing in mind how well the Jags played last week in beating the Ravens. They blew them out of, out of, the, out, you know, they blew them out of the water. The game was over by half-time. And they have a really good game this weekend against the Vikings. And for the Jags, it kind of sums up the season. You have a number of bright spots. The inconsistency is there. We've seen Trevor Lawrence's development um, throughout the course of the season in terms of his improvements. But they just can't seem to put a consistent run together. And we, uh, I picked the Lions, the guys picked the Jags, but I can understand why they did, because it was one of those games you thought the Jags were turning a corner, and then again they're back to, to back to square one. Very impressive offensive performance and defensive performance. It's Dan Campbell, the head coach's best defensive display from his team since he went in there in his second year as head coach. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's go quickly over then, Colm, to you. Let's talk about the Packers uh, taking on the Bears, 28-19. What's your take on that one? 
Yeah, death taxes and Aaron Rodgers beating the <laughs> the Bears. Some things are just predestined, and that that's how, how it happens. I did I didn't think we would see uh, Justin Fields play. We did, and and my goodness, he had a, a couple of moments. Um, we talked uh, probably um, six, may, a month, certain maybe six weeks ago about the best case scenario. I felt for the Bears. Um, for the rest of the season was Justin Fields showed he was the guy, uh, the, the franchise guy, uh, but that the Bears essentially lost high-scoring games. And that is what has kind of happened. Uh, they know he is the guy, but they need to put talent around him. They have, have to find guys on both sides of the ball. Um, but they look to have, you know, a, a proper head coach in, in place. Uh, it'll be up to the GM to show in the offseason that he can build a roster. Um, but there is an awful lot to, to be excited about. And as uh, for, for the Packers, yeah, they get their, their customary win. The biggest thing for them is that they are now the winningest franchise in NFL history. They have the, the most wins uh, of any franchise um, in the, the league. And they that is a record they took from the Bears, a divisional rival. So, um, And Aaron Rodgers also uh, yesterday became the uh, Packers QB with the most wins against the Bears. So he uh, continues to accumulate uh, numerous stats, and maybe that is something he will reflect on, whatever he gets up to in the next offseason. <laughs> and uh, indeed, winningest is one of my least favorite words, but I've come across it through American sports. As a writer and a linguist, it just drives me mental to hear it. But thank you for trying to irk me at this hour of the evening, Colin. That was very nice of you. All right, uh, Brian, let's, let's talk about, uh, in the spirit of, Irking column back. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get you to talk about the Broncos. Tell us. Tell us your thoughts on, on is, that is game. There, is there. Is there anything to, to be said about the Broncos at this stage? But uh, no, no, no. We will cover it. <laughs> um, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, the Ravens went off injured in this game, and that's significant news because um, uh, the Harbour, the head coach, has come out this evening at the, the daily press conference on Monday and said that likely it's, it's unlikely he will play next weekend against the Steelers team that won again at the weekend against the Falcons. Um, look for the Broncos. I did say on the show the other day, you know, we didn't give the Broncos any chance in this game. I did say if we saw a similar type of game in which we saw recently where the Panthers went in against uh, against the Ravens, they lost 13 3, but that game was uh, decided by a very, very late score. But the Ravens, and essentially the game played out in, in so many similarities. This Ravens offense can't get going, even with Lamar there. It's, it's just, it's, it's up and down. We saw some trick plays in the red zone when they looked like they were driving, and the which which led to an interception. It was kind of a stupid call. And right now, I, I can't understand where they're going to go with this because even if Lamar Jackson comes back, it just doesn't seem to be getting going. At the start of the season, they were so prolific. Lamar Jackson's in a contract year. But, and I'm, I'm sure he will get the contract, but you'd have to wonder whether they're in a position to make a real strong playoff run. For the Broncos, genuinely don't know what to say anymore. Um, the, the, the offense is just... Uh, maybe Colin wants to put a point in that. I, I'm showing words on this. There's a... There's a, a a video guy that puts a, a thing out every week, Colin, I'm not sure if he's still doing it, in which he, he talks and refers to Russell Wilson and his 12 bathrooms, and he says at some stage he would get to the 13 touchdown in which he's throwing the season and he'd no longer have to do the video. But the way things are going, he might be doing a video for, for every week this season. They had an opportunity late on to try to put themselves in a position to win, and I was struggling with some of the play calling even on that drive. Um, Russell Wilson had an opportunity to, he was aware he needed five or six additional yards to put Brandon McManus in a position to kick a game 
win a field goal and he went off the field to stop the clock and understand the reason behind that but I didn't feel there was an aggressive manner within that particular play to try to get the yards needed and that kind of sums up the season there have been a few near misses in terms of winning game but overall the head coach at this stage I think his, his days are numbered unfortunately and well unfortunately for him not maybe not unfortunately for Broncos fans I think he's been given an opportunity hasn't hasn't worked out another difficult loss another close game but again coming out the wrong side of it Fair enough. All right, there's only one game left, uh, and maybe Colm, you could just pick this one up uh, just to close us out. It was the uh, it was Deshaun Watson returned from suspension, and uh, the Browns win 27-14. Any any thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, um, Adam Schefter talked about uh, Deshaun having gone through a process and learning, but um, there was no explanation about what what the process entailed, mm. what the process looked like. We're, we're still yet to really hear an apology. Um, ultimately, um, yeah, look, the, the Texans are, are a mess. And um, they, despite it getting off to a, a good start, and obviously they were hyped up and you heard the crowd and um, you saw the, the wife of the, the owner of the Texans actually turn her back on Watson, but ultimately um, mistakes cost them um, and they, they ultimately uh, go on to, to lose it. I think for them, they cannot wait to get to the end of the, the season either. Um, I just wanted to share one quick uh, stat just on, on the Broncos, oh, yes. just because it is so, so incredible. Mike, Mike Sando, who writes for The Athletic, and in fairness was calling out the Russell Wilson decline far earlier than most. But just he, from his piece today, before Sunday, NFL teams were 0 and 206 since 1995 when committing two turnovers, forcing none, and failing to exceed 10 points. The Ravens made it 1 and 206 by beating the Broncos. Mm. So. There, there you go. One and two hundred and six. Uh, that's where the Broncos are at. <laughs> uh, uh, something to be celebrated. I'm not sure. Uh, okay. Well, there we are. Uh, will we do a quick look ahead on at Monday Night Football, which is happening in some hours from now? But uh, uh, we can maybe take a quick, quick one on this and your picks. Uh, so it's it's the Saints versus the Bucks. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, Brian, do you want to take this one first? Yeah, this is a quite an unusual game in terms of where do you, what your expectations are because the Saints, whilst they've had their troubles over the last couple of years, always seem to find a way to beat this uh, beat this Bucks team. Last year, the Saints had a difficult season; they beat them early on in the season, which was probably the first game in which we saw Brady start to look very different in terms of the expectation and the level of play we've seen over the course of the, the last number of years since he went to Tampa, uh, Colin Co- rightly called it out back then, you know, something didn't look right with Brady and, you know, as, obviously as t- time has progressed, he's not the quarterback in which he was. The Saints beat them on that night and then they played again in Tampa later on in the season when at that stage the Saints season was over and they went in, they beat them 9-0. Nine, nine uh, they played each other in week two and the game was nil all until the fourth quarter and that time around the Bucks did find a way to win. The Bucks have been inconsistent. They, they, they had a difficult start to the season. There was a lot of, you know, talk around the fact that Brady came out of retirement after only retiring for 40 days then there was obviously his personal situation and whether he'd be really committed to playing the season but at the start of the season their defence was playing really strong which helped them get the wins that they needed but that kind of fell away and they started losing some games they got they seemed to we we felt they were starting to move in the right direction they had two big wins in a row obviously they won the game merely before going on the bye week and then last week they went into Cleveland and just, the game was there to be won and they didn't find a way to 
to uh, get over the line. It's kind of consistent what we've seen this season, some bright spots, inconsistency. The Saints team right now are kind of a precarious situation. We don't really know where they're going from in terms of the quarterback. They started the same season with Jameis Winston there, and then they moved on to Andy Dalton. They've had some bright spots as well, some good wins. They beat the Raiders. Um, you know, they're really strong performance against the Raiders. Got a reason to beat the Rams, but they have got a lot of injuries going into this game. And bearing in mind the results have gone again the way of, of the Bucks this, this weekend in terms of being in the position to win the division. They really have to win this game. And despite the form over the last couple of years, I'm going to side with the Bucks to win this game. I think Brady will have a rebound game after, coming off last week. They are at home. They seem to get players back. I think Fournette's going to play tonight, which is their running back. He missed last week's game, which was crucial for them. I think he steadies the ship in terms of their run game. And I think they'll find a way to get past the Saints game. I don't think it'll be pretty. I think they'll just have enough to win on the night. All right, so Brian calls the books. What about you, Colm? Um, yeah, ju- just very quickly before that, just to say Mark was going to cover the Steelers-Falcons, um, but obviously oh, had sorry. To, to disappear. And um, no, kudos, he had to disappear. So kudos to um, Magical Mike Tomlin, whose team finds a way. And, and for the Falcons, it'll be interesting to see if they now uh, turn the, the keys over uh, to Desmond Ritter to see what they have in, in him. Uh, I think Brian has kind of covered a lot of the, the aspects of tonight's game. Um, I think these are, are two franchises who are going to see extraordinary turnover uh, in the, the offseason. Both will be looking for a franchise QB um, and uh, will will need pieces to, to supplement that. Um, you know, when Brady goes, that will create a, a huge void. So how, how do the Bucks go about filling that? Um, I, I think Brady will want uh, one last trip uh, to the playoff dance and generally what Tom Brady wants, Tom Brady gets. So I'm going to back the, the Bucks to get the win tonight. All right, I'm going to be difficult and say I'll back the Saints uh, just because. Uh, not that I necessarily have a vote, but that's my vote. Uh, Brian, did you have something very quick you wanted to throw in there? Well, yeah, it was more on a Steelers game and not necessarily related to the game, but I don't know if anybody saw the footage of uh, Mike Tomlin today in which he was making his way onto the field before the game and one of the Steelers fans kind of gave him the thumbs up and said, come on, Mike, and he, and he, to which he responded, I'm effing working. <laughs> leave me alone but that kind of sums up the head coach in which he is he's a fantastic head coach and and for a team that's been lacking in talent in some positions they're still finding ways to win games which kind of contributes to the great head coach but must, it's a it's a great it was a great clip i'm effing working you know must try that to... must try that around the office yeah 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 really want to get away I'm effing working. yeah exactly <laughs> Um, Mark, Mark has also gone with the books, I believe, in this game. Okay, very good. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, do, and so we're, we're, we're pretty much there. Did you uh, want to throw up a few last comments there, Brian, before we go? Yeah, just referring back to the Lions in particular, um, we, we were discussing Goff and uh, we discussed the time again whether he's going to be the quarterback in, in the uh, the future for him, bearing in mind how well he's playing with kind of a view to them potentially taking the quarterback in the next draft um his price tag at the moment he's on a 20 million contract so bearing in mind the salary cap in the nfl that's quite restrictive in terms of trying to mm. build around the team so um i can understand why Lions, and, and owen is a lions fan i can understand why the owens why the lions fans would think maybe the right thing is to address the quarterback in the draft to i suppose reduce your cap and give yourself uh, more opportunities to bring players in in other positions where they need players mm. a few other ones around the lions in particular um uh, declan makes a similar point um He's been, you know, we've all criticised Goff, but right now he is playing fantastic and he can only be impressed with what he's doing in particular yesterday's game. Um, 
No, it seems to be a lot of Lions comments, few uh, Cowboys comments thrown in, which is, um, we have a strong Cowboys fan base here, so that's a uh, very good. surprise. Um, try finding one or two more. Yeah, if there's anything else that's that's of interest. Uh, well, Declan calls out because again, just making a bit of a joy with me over the over the Eagles and and, and the Jalen horse train, which Colin has been on as I said for a few years, it hasn't derailed yet. But no, that's about it. Again, a lot of comments okay. in, a lot of very stiff engagements. Great to see everybody engaging with another in, in the background throughout the course of the yeah. time. We thank everybody for their support and obviously putting the comments in. Yeah, thanks a million, and thanks for letting me jump on the Irish NFL show train, guys. It's been a pleasure. This was a, for a maiden voyage for me with you, and I'm looking forward to being on the train all the way to the Super Bowl uh, with you as well. So thanks to everyone for watching. Thanks, Colm. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Mark, who's already slipped away into the night, uh, look on, a, on the night train. Um, and uh, we'll see you all next time on the next Irish NFL show. <laughs>